The following audio content is a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org. I need to confess that I am one who is easily distracted. I want to tell you a story of one uh, spring a couple of years ago. My wife, Julie, and I had made it through a particularly busy season of our lives, and we were in some a bit of a need to reconnect and just spend some time together. So we thought, let's go out to dinner and catch up over a good meal. So we selected a restaurant, and as we walked into this restaurant, Julie noticed that there was a Mariner game being telecast uh, on a TV in this establishment. So she told the hostess, uh, yeah, table for two, and it'd be great if you could get us in a spot where there's no view of the television. And the hostess kind of looked at me and I said, yes, absolutely, what she said. We definitely do not want a view of the TV. Well, as we were walked to our selected table, uh, we sit down and and the the hostess asks if this would be all right. And as she's doing so, I notice that there's a reflection in the window. (laughs) And so as this hostess asked, uh, Julie said, yeah, this looks great. To which I responded, oh, this is perfect. Thank you. And we sat down, and, and Julie and I started in on this conversation that we were longing to have. But as, as we were, were starting in on this, I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm sitting there going, Okay, don't look at the TV. Don't look at the TV. I think that's Ichiro back. In this reflection that was just beyond her head uh, at the table. Well, she quickly figured, was on to me, figured this out, turned around, and asked to be moved. So we were. And there was the end of my watching the Mariner game that day. And the blessing of that, of course, was that I, I did long to connect with Julie that day. It really was something that I was eager to do and I had been anticipating. But because of the way that I am, perhaps as a stereotypical guy, you put a game up on a screen and it's just hard for me to ignore it. And I share that story because as we come into the text that we're going to look at this morning, I believe that it's one that addresses those of us like me that are perpetually distracted. It's a text that invites us uh, into something that most of us would accept almost all of the time. It's a story that tells us of a God whose priority is direct, unfiltered relationship with God's people. That is what he desperately craves. And the invitation is for us to experience the joy of salvation in real time. To experience the joy of salvation even now. So I think it's, it's appropriate for us to think of these first 24 verses of Luke chapter 14. Is this type of divine etiquette. Think of it as kind of the table manners of Jesus. The story begins with Jesus eating at the home of a prominent Pharisee, as, as he often did. And these Pharisees were immediately putting Jesus to the test. Well, Jesus got, also got down to the business of challenging them on some of their stuff too, particularly how they behaved on the Sabbath and even how they behaved at a dinner party. He shocks his law-abiding cohorts by telling them that you find righteousness not by asserting yourself to the place of honor, but rather by taking a place of humility and inviting those that have previously, that these Pharisees have previously written off as, as sinners. 
as no good, as nothing to offer, these people that Jesus calls the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, and saying, invite them in. This is not about status. This is about relationship. This is about the table being open. It's not a place of honor. It is a place of relationship and humility, not perfection and honor. This type of teaching on these type of party manners continues. And what I want us to look at this morning in the continuation of Luke chapter 14, beginning at the, first, at the 15th verse. And so I'd like to ask you to stand and we will read together Luke 14. It's on page 849 of the Bibles that are in the pews in front of you. And as you listen, as we read together, listen both for the warning that is embedded in this text and the invitation of the master. Listen as we read together. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, And I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes, and compel people to come in, so that my house may be full. For I tell you, none of those who are invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We sometimes forget in this series of kingdom parables that Jesus alludes to and suggests a party thrown by God. The same guy telling this story, I would offer you to remember, is the same guy that the Gospel of John tells us turned water into wine just to keep the party going. This is the guy that is sharing about this banquet, a great feast. So I would offer that the person telling this story knows a thing or two about how to party. But before, the other thing that is that the audience he's talking to is one that is used to partying as well. When we think about uh, some of the great Jewish feasts, they, for example, a wedding they wouldn't just make it one night of partying and celebrating. Often this would last for an entire week. So before we reflect on this passage here, I 
want to see if I can give us a better understanding of what's happening in this story by examining the invitation that is being extended here and to, to address why is it that these people ended up not showing up? Why might that be? So staying, if we were to take the, the, this story and bring it into contemporary times, it might function a lot like how we might send out a save the date or an evite. Uh, something where a party is being announced and you're being asked to circle the date and RSVP at a particular time before uh, somebody will come and let you know uh, when the party is going to start. So, I'm going to throw, throw it into an evite and say that let's pretend for a moment that University Ministries is going to throw a party, which I think by default makes me the master in that, uh, in that scenario. So I figure I'm going to throw this sweet party. And as I'm throwing this party, I would probably invite my coworkers. And so I would send out an invitation, an evite that might say, dinner party, let's celebrate. Everybody seems to be excited about the future, but this is an opportunity to celebrate now. Why not? Everything will be provided. All you need to do is bring yourself and desire to celebrate with me and others. And I really, really, really want you to be there. So this invitation has gone out to my coworkers uh, several weeks in advance. And they look at, at this and they probably think to themselves... Man, if Ryan's going to throw a party, that's definitely a party that I want to be at. I'm not going to miss something that he's going to do, right? That's what I would think they might do. Uh, so they, they quickly respond, yes. They're not, they're not like me. I'm typically one of those people that when I get an Evite, you know, I'll look at it and then it'll sit there. And the problem with Evite, as some of you guys may know, is that it, it doesn't leave you wondering if somebody got your invitation. Evite will tell you, oh, this person has actually opened your invitation. You can know that it got there. You know? so, so this thing is saying, oh yeah, he's opened the invitation. I can look and know that they've opened the, the invitation because if you can't trust the internet, then who can you trust? <laughs> so as the day of the party arrives, my coworkers who had initially responded yes to my Evite start sending these responses that say, no. The first response comes in from my coworker, Becky. And she says, I just bought some property and I need to go check it out. Sorry. And the first thing that I would think is, I know how much money Becky makes and how is it that she's buying property? <laughs> so there's, she's telling me that I have some business to attend to and so I can't make it. Now, many of us in this room would definitely affirm that there are things like this that come up. That it is legitimate to have things, uh, business deals, work-related, that you would find yourself needing to turn down a party. On the other hand, have you ever bought a house or any sort of real estate without doing adequate research beforehand? Do you need to go and check out that property now when I told you that the party was going to be on this day a long time ago for something that is going to stay static? So it's, an, it's a legitimate excuse, but there is still a degree 
of absurdity that is related to, I need to go look at this now, and I might offer that this connects to the distractions that George referenced last week that are brought on by that insatiable quest for more. Thus, Becky's excuse back to me of, I need to go check on this field that I just bought, as if it's going to somehow change, as if she's going to be able to do anything about it in that moment. It's a legit but silly excuse. So one person has declined my party and I continue to scroll down and my coworker Janie responds, I'm itching to try out my new lawnmower. Sorry I can't make it. Now, the one part of this that would be totally legit is that how I know Janie is that she is genuinely somebody that loves mowing the lawn. It's mysterious, but for her it's, it's therapeutic. And so to some degree, I get that. And, and what legitimizes the, this excuse is that there are chores that we need to attend to uh, to get done. And perhaps there's even a business transaction, again, where you need to go check up on something. But when you're talking about a giant piece of equipment, you're talking about 10 oxen, when they're not engaged in many of the other capacities they can do, what do they do? They mow the lawn. So Janie is giving me an excuse that says, I just, uh, I bought this gear and I want to try mowing the lawn or I just want to watch the lawn being mowed. Because that's what these big hairy animals do. They just kind of graze and eat when they're not otherwise engaged. So it's a legit excuse in that there are chores that come up. It is absurd in that it's not a good reason to miss a party. Okay, so I'm a little discouraged and I continue to scroll down and I get a no response from my friend and co-worker, Mike McAvoy, who says, hey, back from my honeymoon, but we just need to be together right now. Now, first off, this is a fat, hairy lie because Mike is a single man. (laughs) But let's say for a moment that he was married. Uh, There's no question, as, as the parable tells us, that we want families to be healthy and it's appropriate for families to kind of lock up and cleave unto each other. And even in the ancient tradition, uh, what this was all about was, was when in a Jewish wedding, a man would not be sent into battle, for example, in that first year that they were married. It was a chance for the family uh, to be together. So this would be a totally legitimate excuse. Hey, I've got family responsibilities that I have to attend to, so I'm not going to be able to make your sweet party. On the other hand, uh, it might not be an adequate excuse because I'm not asking you to bring anything. I'm not asking you to exert anything. And I told you when it was going to be. Both in our contemporary setting of my little Evite and in the ancient setting, this is probably the best excuse But it's an excuse nonetheless. We're not talking about sending somebody into the battlefield. We're talking about coming to a party. Ultimately, each of my co-workers turned down this opportunity to come to this sweet party that I wanted them to be at. That they didn't have to bring anything to other than themselves so that we could celebrate uh, something big together right now. In the way that the parable might 
communicate to us and what I think it's speaking to us is, is that there is this great feast that we know in our salvation that happens at the end of times. But I think that there's something in this invitation in, or in this parable that invites us to the joy of the reality of our salvation right now. Right now. So why is it that excuses, that responses that were, excuses are given to responses that were once yes, but are now no? And that's what I want to reflect on uh, with the balance of our time. First, and simple enough, is people do get busy and as a result, distracted. I know that I have the strong propensity to put the urgent before the important. We put the urgent before the important. Business deals, chores, family responsibilities are all legitimate excuses to miss a, miss a party. But here's, here's where I would draw us into what is not listed in the parable. What's not said. And that is that we don't hear any excuse about somebody saying, well, I'm not going to show up because I don't like the person inviting me to the party. I'm not going to show up because they wronged me several years ago. And until there is reconciliation there or until that debt is paid, I'm not going to that person's party. Did you notice that? None of the excuses that were given in the parable were because... They didn't like the one casting out the invitation. The excuses they, were, they gave had everything to do with themselves and what they were involved in. These business deals, these chores, these family responsibilities. And friends, that's what I would offer is one of the warnings here. And one of the things for us to be alert to is who is the one giving the invitation in this parable, it's fair for us to assume that the one giving the invitation to this is God. And are we those that stop and consider who this invitation is coming from before we stop and consider what do I have to do otherwise? The distractions... What they did was distract these people from who was giving the invitation. The second reflection is that I think that these people in our parable doubted that this banquet would be any fun. Right now at the end, we are in the middle of a series on how some people in biblical stories expressed doubt and used that doubt to catapult into greater faith. In some ways, how faith leads us, or how doubt leads us in to greater faith. And one of the ways that we identify uh, how people doubt is by looking at some of these stories where people laugh. I think that in this we can look at what they didn't do and it shows us where their doubt was. And I think these people doubted that this was going to be any fun. I know that when somebody invites me into uh, an activity that I am positive is going to be fun, I do everything I can to make it happen. As I've shared from up here before, I like, I have at times in my life called myself a golfer. It's something that I don't necessarily enjoy, but I'm addicted to. 
And so if a friend calls up and says, hey, Ryan, I want to take you to Chambers Bay, one of the best courses in the area, I'm going to do everything I can to try and make that happen over and above if this person says, hey, Ryan, you want to go with me to Green Lake Pitch and Putt? Or if, if a friend says, hey, Ryan, I want to take you and Julie to Canlis for dinner. Now we're cooking with gas. I like that. I'm going to go, I'm going to exert myself a little bit more and make a little bit more of an effort over and above if this person says, hey, can I take you to McDonald's for dinner? You see, what our friends here were doubting was that this was going to be any fun. They doubted that this was going to be worth it because we didn't see them put in an effort to somehow rearrange their schedules. To somehow make this happen. How are we the same way? Have we been uh, perhaps lulled into thinking that being invited into this party, this great feast of salvation, of following Jesus is boring? I know a lot of people that consider the religious life to be incredibly boring. I think this parable challenges that. What we're being told is that we're, we're getting an invitation from a master that says, come and party. Following after God is actually very dynamic and fun. It is an invitation to a party that I long for you to accept. But do we doubt that this party is fun? How can that be challenged? Third... Maybe they just have no need. Maybe these are folks that get invited to parties all the time. And the last thing that they need is another social event on their calendar, another meal to eat. Maybe there's just an assumption that I'll get an invitation at another time. I think it's safe to say that most of us in this congregation are not here this morning wondering about if we're going to eat later on today. If anything, we're wondering about when and what we might eat when we do that. It's something that we totally take for granted. We just know that it's going to happen. In the parable, Jesus says, go and invite those that actually know their need. He calls out, go out and invite those that are poor. Go invite the crippled, the blind. And the lame, people that know their need. What I want us to remember this morning, even if we're not thinking about what we might eat this afternoon, that we have need. Let us not be lulled to sleep by the fact that we have been given provision into thinking that we have no need to accept an invitation to come and eat. To accept an invitation to fellowship. It's frightening to me in some ways that even these great blessings like provision can be the things that distract us from saying yes to an invitation from God. Do we know our need? Or have we just taken for granted that it will be taken care of? Let's not let it be a distraction. So all these excuses are given. And one of the reasons that I have always struggled with, if not disliked this parable, is that I've been frightened by what 
is said after all these excuses are given. It said that the slave returned and reported these excuses to the master. And the master responded by, and it says, the owner of the house became angry. And because I know myself to be one that is distracted, I know myself to be one that is very capable of legitimate but absurd excuses. When I've read this parable and heard about this anger, there's something about it that has felt very personal. It has made it very scary. Something where I find myself going, is God angry with me? Does God like me? It's a frightening, frightening parable as you're, as you're looking at it to hear that the master of the house is angry with those that sent back excuses. I began, as I, as I worked with this a little bit more, I started to, to try and unpack what is this anger. And I think that it, bring, it first brings to mind those words that Chris read for us earlier from Exodus 20 in reminding us that our God is a jealous God. I know that in my life when I'm jealous, it ends up being a pretty ugly thing. So this idea of a jealous God totally infringes on the view of God that I normally like to maintain. But I begin to get a better view of this jealous God when I think about an invitation like the one that's being extended in this parable. That God's jealousy leads him to invite us in. The object of that anger is anything that comes between us and relationship with God. God's anger rooted in this jealousy, he gets upset even when there are those legitimate things that interfere in us knowing fellowship and union and joy with the living God. Our God gets angry when there is anything that keeps us from him. And so we consider this invitation that this parable might be a vision of a loving God saying, let's get the distractions out of our lives so that we might be together, that you might experience the joy of your salvation now, and that that joy might lead into a faith that continues to grow. What these folks excused themselves in this parable was an invitation to party in close relationship to the master. Regardless of how you might feel about big crowds and parties, what you need to hear is that the heart behind the invitation that God extends is one that says, I love you and I want to be with you. That's all. And I get angry when anything gets in the way of that. So the opportunity that we have this morning is to just reflect on what is it, what are the distractions that we have, even the legitimate ones, that might keep us from knowing the joy of salvation, the joy of life in God, the dynamic life that is following Jesus. Right now, what are the distractions that keep you from experiencing that? What are the distractions that that uh, might keep us from fellowship with each other? 
All those other people around the table, the house is full of them. God is, makes it, Jesus makes it clear in the parable that the house is to be full. I want you and I want others to be at this table. It rings of the first lines of the Westminster Catechism and the question, what is the chief end of man? The answer is that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So God desires relationship with each of us and invites us to see past the distractions and say yes. Say yes. That's as simple as it gets in this message, is say yes to the invitation that Jesus extends. It's an invitation to experience the joy of the hope that we find in Jesus. So friends, can we resolve to eliminate distractions, both legit and absurd, and say yes to relationship, to coming to the table with the living God? Let us pray. Lord, you have invited us, and we so desperately long to say yes. Uh, Lord, as we do, we pray that you might bring it to our minds, uh, the things that keep us from experiencing uh, you in our lives, even right now. Uh, we, might, uh, we ask that you might lead us by your spirit, that we might joyfully and eagerly say yes to the invitation that you give us to enjoy life and life to the full. Lord, we rejoice that you are a God of invitation and that you do continue over and over again to bid us come and eat, Lord, and that you desire for your house to be full. And so, Lord, bless us as we seek to be those that say yes. It's in Christ's name we pray. All University Presbyterian Church online audio is available on both CD and cassette. If you would like to support the mission of UPC by ordering copies of sermons or classes, please visit www.upc.org forward slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.